moving where? Everwood, Colorado. Hey everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of I Left My Heart in Everwood, an Everwood podcast. How's everyone doing today? Are you enjoying your first week in February? Mine's been going pretty well so far. So just an update, um, although if you have Hulu, you probably already know, sadly, that Everwood has been removed. It's been taken off, so unfortunately the only way to watch would be to go and get the DVDs now. Unless you already have them. Maybe you're watching the episodes as long as I review them. So, alright. Real quick, before I start talking about this episode, I do want to let you know that after February, the podcast is going to be once a month, at least for March and April, and then just depending on things go, it might be on a small mini hiatus. Just due to um, an upcoming possible move in the future that's going to take up a lot of my time. So, But I will keep you updated. But as of February, you will get Friendly Fire, which is episode 3 of season 1 and season 1 episode 4, The Kissing Bridge. And then in March, we'll do Dear God and then The Doctors in for possibly April. April is is kind of iffy. It just really depends how things are going in in the way of a possible move. Alright, well, let's give you some info here about this episode. Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Friendly Fire, aired on September 30th, 2002. In this episode... Andy's neighbor and friend Nina is ostracized by the townspeople when they discover she is a surrogate mother for a woman in her mid-fifties. Andy's clumsy attempt to come to Nina's aid, or Nina's defense, backfires, but she turns to him and Ephraim for help when the baby makes an unexpected early arrival. Meanwhile, Ephraim is dealt an emotional blow when Amy disinvites him to a party in order to gain the approval of her friends. And Delia attempts to befriend the school bully, Magilla. Alright, this episode's got a 7.3 out of 10. It was directed by Danny Leiner, L-E-I-N-E-R. Writers Greg Berlanti. Oliver Goldstick is the writer of this episode. Greg Berlanti is the creator. Alright, do we have any connections? The Wizard of Oz, mentioned in dialogue. It's a Wonderful Life, Nina mentions by name. Heathers, Amy, my friends, they basically pulled the Heathers on me. Outbreak, mentioned in dialogue. Oz, mentioned in dialogue. So the television show that ran from 97 to 2003 is mentioned in dialogue. So at this time, in 2002, the show's got like a year. I've never seen Oz. I've never seen Outbreak. I have no interest in seeing Heathers. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life because it's my dad's favorite movie. I'm sorry if my voice sounds kind of craggly. Um, I like just woke up like 20 minutes ago. So I guess this is my morning voice. 
And of course, I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I enjoy it. Alright, let's see here. Ooh, we got some goofs. When Ephraim enters the Swan's practice room, they are doing... I can't even pronounce D-E-G-A-G-E-S? Digages? Digages? Since they are wearing point shoe, P-O-I-N-T-E shoes, they would probably make some noise. However, they are slamming their feet to the position and clunking. They clunk when they are doing the swan dance also. A definite dancing mistake. Okay, so this person clearly knows their ballet. Maybe they do ballet and they just want to let us know all these terms. Thank you. I've definitely been educated in um, the world of ballet. Thank you, thank you. I do not see a user review, so let's go to the booklet. Where did I put it? Here it is. And let's read the description. from. I always like to see how they differ. So, and this one. Bumpy roads for the Browns. Delia struggles to form a school friendship. Ephraim is uninvited to a party. And Andy's defense of Nina's surrogate pregnancy doesn't win him friends in conservative Everwood. As we know of the last episode, when they went to the Fall Thaw Festival, Andy was seen talking to nobody. Well, he was talking to his dead wife, but since she is dead, no one else could see her, the whole townspeople are seeing him talking to nobody. And, of course, in a small town that likes to talk, that likes to turn on people on the flip of a dime, this is just not... And we saw at the end of the episode, like, yes... Everyone went from Dr. Brown. They moved back over across the street to Dr. Abbott's office. So they are a little untrusting of Andy. And of course, you guys know small towns. I've been in a small town. You know, I lived there for all of my childhood and teenage years. And people in a small town, they like to talk. They really, really do. So it's one of those things. And not to mention... Andy and his family, they're newbies. So that just adds more fuel to the fire for the small town to just talk about. Actually, that makes me not want to move to a small town. <laughs> you know everyone's going to be up in your business. Like, where are you from? What do you do over there? What's your family life like? Blah, 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 blah. If you don't give me a backstory, I'm going to create my own for you. <laughs> like, you know. All right. So... Just to let you know, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, go to Facebook, type in Everwood Podcast, or I Left My Heart in Everwood. The podcast will pop up, and you'll find out about upcoming episodes. If you guys want to share your Everwood memories, if you guys have comments about future episodes that I'll be doing, and you just want to share your opinion, I would love to hear it. I always love to hear insight from other viewers your own interpretation of how you kind of saw things when you watch the episode so opinions are welcome being said let's jump into this episode before the episode actually does start we do get a recap of the first two episodes just get everybody up to speed on where everybody is we got the move from new york to colorado we also got the fall thaw we got Amy introducing 
Ephraim to a comatose Colin and kind of explaining that whole thing. And then, of course, him saying, my dad said no to helping Colin. Sorry. And Amy just leaves. So, of course, we do have to start with Irv's narration here as he says, folks move to the country for a lot of reasons. Clean air, better schools, stores where you don't have to take a f- or have to fake a heart attack. Stores where you don't have to fake a heart attack to get a salesperson's attention, okay. And diners like this one that says Mama Joy's. Mama Joy's Diner, which has breakfast, lunch, burger, and what does it say below? Uh, It says family food. Good family food? So we go inside Mama Joy's diner. We have Andy at the counter. And he's like, gosh, you really need to take a squeegee to these menus. That or serve them as an appetizer. Of course, we have uh, Nina work at the counter. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that under advisement, Andy. Like... Because you know how the sometimes when you go to those types of diners, they have the menus in that type of uh, plastic folder thingy, and it's just they've been, you know that just the grease in the air from food being cooked, like it's gonna get onto the menus. There's just no way. So then the menus have like that foggy look to them while you're trying to decide what you want. I can't tell. He's asking Nina about a baked potato because he's like, I don't know how many nights you can feed the kids fries without being a bad parent. So Nina shouts to the back and of course Andy's like, where's the the cook? Pittsburgh? And of course Nina's like, no, Simon the cook only hears out of one ear his left. And Andy's like, what's the matter with his right? And I'm like, Is Edna seriously sitting down with that Brenda nosy lady? Seriously? Come on, Edna. I can't see you wanting to sit down with this nosy busybody lady. And apparently Simon does not have a right ear. Okay. Now Andy's kind of recollecting a year ago we were sitting at some uh, restaurant called Le Sur. And now he's waiting for the three Blue Star Roast Beef Specials cooked by one-eared Simon. <laughs> oh my gosh! And the you just see the patrons are just like, are they like getting because Brenda's looking at her wrist, her watch like, oh my gosh still with this? We're waiting for our food? So with Nina being pregnant because I remember her saying like, hey she's pregnant, is that her kid? You know when I first saw them like, oh she's having a baby? No, she's, I mean, she's having a baby, but she's having someone else's baby. So she's like, I find humor in that, but I'm eight and a half months pregnant, so I only laugh when lying down. So we learned that Mama Joy has been dead for 20 years. Because Andy's like, what? She won't give you the time off? And Nina's like, well, she's not really in a position to. She's been dead for 20 years. I love this dry humor, but I just love this funny banter just back between Nina and Andy and I think I think the show was setting up that eventually they would get together down the road yes it's still early to tell but it's just yeah yeah I I kind of got a feeling and Andrew uh, Ephraim's already being linked up with with, uh, Amy and at first it's like seems like an unrequited 
type of thing, mainly on his end. But then eventually, two seasons later, the show kind of gives us what we've all kind of been wanting. We get a little more of a back history on Mama Joy's, which is actually being run by Mama Joy's nephew, Art. And Andy's like, oh, well, then maybe she should be called Aunt Joy's. And Nina says, well, actually, her name was Gertrude Schwartz, but nobody found that name appetizing. So, yeah, uh, Andy's just getting some to-go stuff. I guess that's going to be dinner for the kiddos, lunch for the kiddos. I'm not sure. Oh, Andy's getting ready to pay. He's like, oh my gosh, maybe I'll go with a different side. Uh, is there anything besides baked or fried? And Edna finally gets up because they're probably waiting for Nina to take their order. This whole time, within the last, like, ten minutes or more, Andy's been trying to figure out what he wants. And it's all, oh, I don't know about the french fries. Maybe or maybe. I thought he went with a baked potato, didn't he? Like, three baked potatoes or something? And Edna's probably like, look, we gotta eat. We, we're, we uh... Because this is probably a work day for them. I can't be- I don't know what- the- Okay, let's move on. Edna comes up, takes Andy's brown bag. It's probably got the, uh, baked potatoes in it. Slams it on the counter. Like, yeah, there's a third option. Matched. Here you go. Bye. And it's like, get out of here. Your kids are starving. Okay, uh, Brenda the, uh, says, okay, Andy's just going to have to be a part. Oh, they were wanting Andy to get out of there because he's a guy. And Brenda's like, Nina Feeney, this is your official baby shower. Um, And I guess the women there don't know that Nina is not keeping the baby, that the baby is, she's basically a surrogate for a lady. Okay. That's cool. And it's a small town. They kind of shake their heads at that, like, what? Surrogate? For a 50-year-old lady? What are you talking about? Oh, all the women townsfolk all have, like, bags of gifts and wrapped gifts and gift bags and and now I see, like, Andy is the only guy in there. Like, oh, okay. So they're all making Nina the lady of the hour. Like, hey, just sit here and we're going to entertain you. This is so fun. And, of course, Edna's like, look, I told them to don't throw a baby shower, but, you know, you just try to make the best of it. And Nina's like, look, I can't accept these gifts. And Brenda's like, oh, they're not for you. They're for the baby. And Nina's like, and this, this is not my baby. And Brenda's like, oh, right, and these aren't my thighs. He's like, but somehow I woke up one morning and had to give up spandex. Like, oh, God. Shut up, Brenda. I can't believe it. Nina's been going along just fine. And I'm just thinking, if she hadn't said anything and just delivered the baby, and magically the baby was just, like, not there one day, because the town always wants to know your business, but then again, I figure she'd have to explain it one way or another when she actually does deliver, and they're like, oh, where's your baby? Oh, it wasn't my baby. But she's like, I'm carrying this baby for someone else, and immediately, it's like you can hear a pin drop in that room. They're like, what? Everyone's looking at her like, what? Who does that? Because it's a small town. Nobody's heard of a surrogate before. <sighs> I think Andy's more surprised, not so much that, I mean, he didn't know either that she was a surrogate, but 
I think he's more surprised about how, how the towns, the ladies of Everwood are reacting to this. Alright, so we come out of the theme song, and now we are at Everwood High School. Ephraim's got his earbuds in. Ephraim looks across the hall to the Bay of Lockers. We have Amy with her friends. And I'm just thinking... Ephraim, you know, Amy kind of seemed to write you off after you said that your dad said no to fixing Colin. Did someone just say, here comes Geek Boy? Like, ugh. And Amy's all like, hey, you guys are awful. Oh, she's actually speaking to him as he comes over. Like, hi, Ephraim. And Ephraim's like, boy, can I clear a hallway or what? And apparently that's Kayla and Paige, Amy's friends. They sound like straight up bitches. You're like, oh, it's Geek Boy. Like, fuck you both. Apparently, Kayla and Paige are allergic to anyone who's not at the top two percentile popular, uh, popularity percentile. <sighs> I live in Everwood, Colorado. It's a small-ass town, okay? <laughs> Ephraim's like, well, I'm only 98% short. So, Amy's got her locker door open, and Ephraim's like, oh, uh, those friends of yours? As he's looking at, like, the ballet legs. And he's like, oh, those legs, she says, those legs belong to Breshnikov and Twyla Thorpe or some Thorpe, Thorpe, whatever, that she cut out of a dance magazine. Of course, she's like, oh, hey, you like? And Ephraim's like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, where's the rest of them? And she's like, I did, I dig legs. Like, that's creepy. But then again, we learned that she is also a ballerina. So, notice when I was going through the show, ballet is again brought up in season three. It seems like after season one, they just kind of drop it for a bit. But then I guess it makes a comeback later when Amy's like, I gotta get re interested in ballet for college applications or something to that effect. And then she finds out you should have been doing this way back when you were, like, two years old. That she's now considered old and just out of sorts and she's too heavy. Apparently ballerinas have to be, like, stick figures or matchsticks. I don't know. So it looks like... She looks at Ephraim like, oh, it looks like you want to ask me something. He's like, uh, I did. And it looks like he's going to, like, ask her out, even though he, he knows that she's involved with Colin, who's in a coma. Coma Colin. Colin Coma. Um, he's like, and he kind of switches gears. Like, oh, I just wanted to know if you were doing the reading for Mr. Donnelly's class, because, you know, he might have a pop quiz. Pop quiz, excuse me. And she's like, oh, don't worry, I'm prepared. Yeah, I mean, I think Amy's got to be a pretty pretty decent student. I mean, we've seen Bright. We know he ain't all got it upstairs. Even later on, his dad's gonna say some shit like, you're not smart enough or something when he wants to go to college and he ends up getting rejected or something. Amy, of course, in this, in the Abbott family is out of the two, her and Bright, like, Amy is the prized pupil. Not just because she's the baby of the family. Now we're introduced to Wendell, who, if you guys have seen Bring It Down from 1998, this guy played Kirsten Dunst's character, Torrance. He played her little brother, er Eric, I think it was? Was it Eric? Let me look. It was Justin. It was Justin Shipman was his name. I don't know. 
I was thinking Eric. That was in the year 2000. Why did I think Bring It On came out in 1998? It was also in, in 2001, not another teen movie, and he played Wendell in four episodes of season one. So season three, we'll see him in season four, then in season eight, then in season 13. Ay ay ay. It was also on the show Joan of Arcadia, which only lasted for, what, two or three seasons? He was in Monk. And the show 90210, he was in three episodes of that. He was in four episodes of the TV show based off the movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. So they thought Ephraim was a rough and tumble looking guy from New York just based on his purplish highlights and his dark brown hair. We got Wendell here, and he is just, I, I don't want to use the word scuzzy, but he just, his hair is all gross, greasy, mussy looking, and he just looks, he looks like a goth. Dressed all in black. Plus he's got a uh, wrist cuff that's got studs in it. He's like, hey, uh, you could also get calf implants. Apparently there's a doctor in Denver. Who evidently works miracles on men with chicken legs. <laughs> so yes, our in our um, introduction to Wendell here is he insults Ephraim's chicken legs. Hey, just like Peyton apparently has chicken legs on One Tree Hill, or as Lucas calls them, chicken legs. Wendell's got some twine beaded necklace. He's got some other beaded necklaces. He's... Basically, where where's all dark? So clearly, he's also an outsider in that school. So he and Ephraim apparently are going to. But I like how he's formal. He puts his hand out there like I'm Wendell, and Ephraim just kind of looks at him, and Wendell's like, "Hey, this is the part where you shake my hand." And Wendell can read Ephraim a mile away. Anybody who's anybody who just stepped into that school can look at Ephraim. His conversation with Amy, like that guy, has got it B A D for that girl. As Wendell's like, if you're looking to get your picture in your locker, you're going about it wrong, dude. And the whole school of Everwood knows Amy worships at the Shrine of Coma Boy every weekend. If you want to break her of that habit, you are going to need my help. And of course, Ephraim's like, please go away. I don't need your help. And Wendell's like, I provide a service. Like, Go away. I don't like Wendell. I mean, sure, he's... Looks semi-decent enough, I guess, but his just intentions are like, okay, clearly what's in this for you, because you clearly want something. You don't offer your services free of charge, I'm sure. So, we're going to leave Wendell and Ephraim, and I think we're going to move over to Andy now, and what's going on with him. So, if you think about it, this episode is, like, tr like cut into three plots. We got plot A being Nina and Andy and Nina's baby. We got Ephraim and Amy going. We got Delia and Magilla. Hey, that kind of goes together. Delia and Magilla. So Andy's seeing a client that he's writing a prescription for the guy for some. He's got high blood pressure. And the guy's like, don't worry about it. It'll leave as soon as. It'll go away as soon as they leave here. It'll drop. And Andy's like, what are you talking about? The guy's like, oh, well, you don't scare me, you don't bother me, but Edna does. Because we went studying the fifth grade and she introduced me to hickeys and shoplifting. Well, that sounds like Edna, all right? 
She's been a tough cookie ever since she was like straight out the womb. Fifth grade? Wow. The guy's name is Walter, and of course, you know Dr. Brown's gonna want to do a follow up visit for the blood pressure. I like this Walter guy. He's like, look, I can't do this to you, you know, if you're not going to take my money. Now, if you don't fancy a box of steaks, the least you can do is enjoy my boat. And this is when later on we will see Andy in a boat on a lake somewhere. So Andy's like, oh, no, no, I don't need to borrow your boat. And the guy's like, look, everyone needs an escape once in a while. Just just take it out. So Andy's like, look, uh, Everwood's enough of an escape for me. And the guy's like, look, my boat, Sea Breeze, she's a beaut. She's docked at Lake Tasha, prettiest watering hole in the county. And he's, like, dangling the keys. Like, oh my goodness. Granted, you think it's some luxurious boat. No, it turns out to be a rowboat. The way he describes this area is, like, surrounded by 2,052 acres of evergreen bliss. It's a little slice of heaven. Well, only someone who lived in Everwood would call that that. For crying out loud, Brenda, don't you have a job to do other than gossiping about the whole town? She's like, hello, Dr. Brown, we need to talk now. Like, no, we don't. He's got to see people, the ones that actually will see him now. He's got to take whatever clients he can get. Because he's still not charging them, but he still wants to try to... Fix his rep from last episode. Just, uh, yeah. Alright, now we're gonna go to Delia's story here. As she is playing the tetherball. The thing that goes around and around on a pole. Like it's a ball on a string. So, we know that this isn't Delia's first day of school. Yet, she's still... So, it's a nice day, I'm guessing. So, kids are gonna be eating lunch at these picnic tables. And she sees Magilla just kind of hanging out by himself. And I'm like, there is a reason this kid's hanging out by himself. Maybe because the kids want to stay away from him. But Delia is just looking for a friend. Anybody who will hang out with her. Slamming two rocks together? Like, two slabs of rock on a picnic table? And he's wearing a choker with a medallion on it. It's 2002. Get rid of the chokers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, uh, uh, Ryan Atwood in the OC. I mean, I like the, the leather choker for a hot second. Thank goodness he got rid of it. But uh, it's just like... I don't think chokers look good on anybody. I just think it's a, it's a fashion that should have died the day that it was born. I'm going to read what this milk thing says. It says cream of... Something. It's not cream of wheat because it's a liquid form of. Ooh, she's got like. Is that like pears or. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Of course, I want to make sure all the proper food groups are represented. But she goes to sit down and he's like, hey, that's my bench. I'm like, really? Did your parents pay for the bench? No, then it's not your bench, bud. He's like, well, can't we share it? And of course, it must be a windy day because bye bye. Bye bye, napkin. So she runs off to get it, and of course he swipes her cookie. Everything. She's got a sandwich, she's got a um, fruit cup, she's got an apple, and milk. Every single food group is represented on this tray. But you know she's going to come back and say, where is my cookie? It was right here on my tray. What, what happened? Magilla, I'm looking at you. 
kid is glaring daggers at her like, hey, you want to try and ask me where your cookie is? <laughs> Good luck, because I ain't giving it. Ain't giving Like, yeah, I took your cookie. You want to you wanna fight about it? <laughs> she decides to just take her tray and find somewhere else to sit. Oh, gosh. Even in elementary school, it's like lines are drawn. Kids are going to sit with who they know. If you're a newbie, good luck trying to fit in at the lunch table. Ugh. Junior high was bad. <laughs> is he going to eat that cookie or is he just taking it to take it? I think he's taking it to take it. I'm going to go hang out on that uh, brick retaining wall. It makes me think of the movie Jack with Robin Williams when he kind of went off by himself and he had those two girls that came up to him and they're all like, oh, how old are you? Like, you're not 10 years old. You're a, you're a grown man. For heaven's sake, are you giving information to Brenda about, that is, didn't, that HIPAA thing didn't exist in 2002, right? Because why is he sharing this information with Brenda? As he's like, the point is that Nina and the child share no genetic material. That's probably because the lady had given her eggs and whoever's sperm to Nina. So Nina's just an incubator for this, this baby to come out into the world. She says her body essentially incubates, just like I said, and nourishes. Why are you telling her this? This is not her dang business. Get it? You want to, like, make up for the fact that you lost a bunch of patients because they saw you talking to your dead wife or talking to nobody. But seriously. Again, the, the lady, like, sold you the building that you're working in. Like, do you feel like you owe her an explanation into someone else's business? I bet if Nina hears about, like, okay, I am not talking to you anymore, and I'm not going to serve you at Mama Joy's, so you may as well just go to another establishment to eat. Hey, that's your business! She's like, how does Nina's husband feel about all this nourishing? Lady, I'm going to backhand your fucking face. So, he's like, I'm sure that he's fine with it. And she's like, oh, would you let your wife go? And then, of course, she's like, oh, that's right, your wife is dead in her mind. That just slipped out. And he's like, well, if you'll excuse me, I have other people that I need to see. I am a very busy man. Can you please leave my office? What is he writing her prescription for? This lady's just stirring up the rumor mill. Like, I'm sure she's in financial ruin. That's why she's doing this for monetary gain. Let's start a fundraiser, you and me, Dr. Brown, and get the community to pitch in and raise enough money so she can buy herself out of the contract and raise this baby herself. She doesn't want to raise a child. And he's like, that's not an option. He's like, Edna, where are my patients? And then Brenda keeps going on about, then we'll raise double the money. Forget bake sale. Think Monte Carlo night. Think, get out of my office. Do you're a realtor. Go sell some properties. And he finally turns around like, look, Brenda, this doesn't concern me or you. Nina's not even a patient of mine. Yeah, you shared information that was none of Brenda's business to begin with. Really. He tells her, like, look, she's just my neighbor. And, of course, Brenda's like, oh, we're all neighbors here in Everwood. Yeah, right, I'm sure. And she plays this up, like, oh, we look after each other. That's why you all need to be up each other's asses in your businesses? I don't think so. I 
would not want to move to Everwood, Colorado. Just the fact that this lady is going to be roaming around up your ass in your business. I don't like this. This lady is just like, this is the worst kind of person you would want in your small town. But there's always at least one or a handful of women like Brenda. Yes, you know, after Andy, like, shuts the door on her to, you know, his office, she turns around and folds her arms like she's just completely displeased. Like, ugh. Okay, now we go to Mama Joy's, and Nina is serving the customers, and of course, everyone's gotten wind of this because they're all, like, leaving these enormous tips for her. And she's like, uh, I see what you're doing, and I don't like this. You need to stop. Guy gives her a $20 tip. Yeah. Brenda moves fast. At first she doesn't really think like, oh, $20 tip. Yeah, thank you. But then when other people start leaving her big tips is when she's being, t she's tipped off. Like something's up here. But she does not know that Andy tipped off Brenda. Hey, look who's at Mama Joyce. It's Harold. Harold, you eat at Mama Joyce? <laughs> so we're going to get a little Dr. Brown and Dr. Abbott banter. So Dr. Abbott, he's just reading a magazine article. He's trying to eat his food. And of course, Andy, cheery Andy sits down and he's all like, hey, you know, I've only eaten dinner here, not lunch. Is the food good? Do you eat here every day? Because that's what I want when I eat. I want some guy, my rival, if you will, to sit next to me and ask me 50 questions. About what I'm doing, what I like to eat here, um, how often I go to the bathroom a day, how does the food affect my uh, internal organs, like a billion and one questions. But luckily, Harold is all about the dry wit that we know and love, so <laughs> yeah. It's, it looks like he could be eating like maybe like uh, fish or something that's been breaded or maybe chicken fried steak. Somebody got like a trout or something, I thought. Maybe that's the special of the day. So when Andy says, oh, you eat here every day, and Harold's like, well, I uh, used to. Great, now i got to find another eating establishment for my lunch break. Thanks. I'm sure Mama Joyce is like probably just down the road and across the street. So Martha here, another patron of Mama Joy's, gives a $60 tip. And this is like, okay, this is too much. What is going on? Apparently Martha has not tipped Nina since Nina started working there. So what's up? So Nina's like, okay, um, since when did everyone decide to start tipping 800% here? And you got Harold and Andy that are like, what's going on? Or ever read Nina baby drama? <laughs> Nobody will meet her eyes. They're all like... Like, yeah, somebody tipped you off. So Nina pulls out a chair and has Andy help her up so she can get the attention of the t entire establishment just to let them know this is no longer appropriate. Just tip normally or better yet, just don't tip me at all. So Nina says, look, I'm not poor, nor am I a charity case. So about a year ago, a cousin of hers in Boulder, Colorado, asked if Nina would be interested in helping an old friend of hers. So she's just kind of given them a backstory so they'll not create one of their own. So Nina even thought her cousin was a little uh, wackadoo with the story. 
And Sarah is a single woman who teaches comparative religion at the university. I don't know what comparative religion is, but that's great. I mean, university job, that's awesome. My guess is maybe the lady just wants to be a mother late in her age, or maybe she's always had trouble conceiving. I don't know. But then again, it's not my business to know, to ask questions, because that would just be nosy. Right, Brenda? Would that be nosy? Yes! So it turns out that Sarah is unable to carry a child to full term and she desperately wants to have a family. This is so nice of Nina to do this. And Nina is like, look, I don't think that single women should be deprived of mother of experiencing motherhood. But like, no, no, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if you're single, you're married, whatever, that you want to have a baby, have a baby. Whether you can afford it or not, that's not my business. That's not my business. And it's not the business of the residents of Everwood either. So Nina tells them, look, you got a problem with it, you, with this situation. You address it now or forever keep your mouths shut. I would start applauding here like, yes, Nina, you go girl. Why is Harold shaking his head like, oh boy. You did it now, Nina. Oh, of course, Harold. Harold, come on. Come on. Oh my gosh, look at that. Oh, elderly something-year-old lady behind Nina. <laughs> and he has to help her from the chair, of course, because she's eight and a half months pregnant. Of course, Harold wants to say a little something. Like, of course you do. Because you're Harold Abbott. You gotta have the last word. You gotta have your opinion thrown in there because you are a doctor. And just because you're you... Okay, so here is what uh, Dr. Abbott has to say. Call us old-fashioned, but some of us don't believe that medical technology should be put to this end. When privileged people play God, sign babies, then pay less privileged people to carry them, we are embarking upon a very scary, brave new world. He's like, oh, and Nina, another thing. If you felt so confident in your decision to do this... Why has it taken all this time for you to tell all of us? Why do you even need to know, Harold? Like, you move into Everwood, you gotta divulge your entire life story. And the life story of your parents, grandparents, your whole family history, all of it. They want to know it all. So you are not a blank slate when you come there. It's like, we are your neighbors, your friends, your doctor. We have a vested interest in this child that you are carrying. And Andy is just like, oh my god. Oh, and apparently Harold says, and we had a quote-unquote right to know the truth. Oh, I would not want you as my doctor. I mean, you're cute and all. I, I like the gray hair and just, uh, I don't know what it is about you, but, um, uh, apparently everyone's gonna clap at this too just doing it. Harold's just doing it because, oh, everyone's applauding Harold. But Andy, of course, needs to just step in here and just like, uh, this is her business. This isn't ours. Hey, Nina, can I jump in here? And Nina's like, go for it. I don't know what you're gonna say that hopefully something that will make better than what, uh, Dr. Abbott said. So, of course, Andy's like, oh, Andy Brown here, the crazy doctor that works out of that old train station got just a word about the moral implications of surrogacy. And he says, I know it's tempting to view certain advancements. Reproductive technology is threatening. 
some of these advancements bring us things like ultrasound and amniocentesis, which allow us to improve the health and even save the lives of the unborn. And technology cuts both ways. That's why it's important for us to evaluate each case individually. So, of course, he asks, are there ethical questions to be raised? Without a doubt. And he even asked, like, hey, does Nina strike any of us as the kind of person who would make the decision to help bring life into the world without asking herself those questions? Like, I don't think so. And as for not letting us know sooner, if I knew I was going to suffer a character assassination from my own doctor in front of half of my friends and neighbors, I'd be inclined to keep things to myself, too. Apparently, people are clapping for him as well. Like, oh, both of you, both doctors made good points. <laughs> And Nina's clapping, and Harold is, like, putting a tip on the counter. Like, here you go, I gotta go. All right, now we're going back to Delia's elementary school. I guess she's looking for her jacket. And we see Magilla. I don't even know what the heck this kid's name is. I th Magilla is just, like, a nickname or something. This little red-headed boy, I think that later on befriends Delia. Is like... Oh, the red-headed kid is like, quit it, Magilla. And, of course, Magilla's like, hey, what did you call me? You say that again? What do you say? I'll fry your face in fat? This kid is a creep. What the heck's wrong with him? Of course, Magilla turns to go, and we see that he's got Delia's jacket. The fuck, kid? What the hell's wrong with your ass? You little brat. Delia sees that he's got her jacket stuffed in his backpack. She's like, wait. And he turns to like, what? What are you looking at? It's like... Dude, I want my fucking jacket. Do I gotta beat your fa- Oh my god, this kid! Can't stand his ass. I don't give a shit what his problem is later on. Of course, Delia being unconfrontational. I mean, I get it. She's a new girl and everything. She doesn't want to start problems. So it's like, it's winter out, it's cold, and she is wearing, like, a t-shirt. A short sleeve shirt. But now we go back to the brown house, and... What is Andy basting this chicken with water? Because he sees Ephraim come up and he's like, hey, what are you, why are you eating before dinner? And Ephraim's like, because I know who's cooking it. Of course, <laughs> the phone rings. It's Wendell. How he got Ephraim's number, I'll never know. But he's like, hey, have you heard of Tchaikovsky? I'm like, sure, yeah, he's one of Beethoven's puppies in the sequel. No. <laughs> so of course, Ephraim wants to know, but I'm like, yeah, I want to know, like, how did you get this number? And Wendell's like, please don't get hung up on the details. Study your, your Russian. And I like how when Ephraim asks, like, how did you get this number, you see Andy, who's at the, I'm guessing it's the oven, kind of doing some stuff with the, the chicken that he's going to prepare and put in the oven. But he kind of turns his head and looks like, what? What's that about? So he gets off the phone, and Andy's like, who is that? And Ephraim's like, sales call. Like, <laughs> All right, so Nina comes in uh, with Delia. Delia goes to wash her hands and all that good stuff so she can help Ephraim set the table. And Eph uh, uh, Andy is actually inviting Nina and Sam, you know, her son Sam, to dinner if they don't got anything going on. So I'm wondering what is going to happen here. Okay, looks like Nina is going to switch sides. She's going to go from Dr. Abbott to Dr. Brown because she's like, I'm in the market for a new doctor. Are you interested? And it's like, heck yeah. You got the right next door. Why not? Cool. And especially there after the display with Dr. Abbott and everything and that speech that he made in front of all of, 
you know, the the patrons of Mama Joy's, I'd be like, okay, I'm in the... I'm getting a new doctor. <laughs> yeah. And he's a little... He's kind of on the fence about it at first. And he's like, well, I've never had a patient who's also been, like, a fence neighbor. And she's like, what's the matter? Are you... She's like, can't you be both a friend? Are you, are you afraid you can't be both a friend and a doctor? It's like, I, I don't see why you couldn't. All right, Nina's guest just arrived, so it looks like she's not staying for whatever Andy is cooking. That chicken. Oh, okay, so Nina invites Andy to go and meet Sarah, who is the baby's mother, and of uh, basically the baby that Nina is carrying for... She's basically a surrogate. Cool, cool. And Andy takes a look outside. He sees Sarah, um, and this woman probably has got to be mid Mid to late fifties, I'm guessing. She, you know, gray hair. It's like if this lady wants to start over, and she's been trying for years to have a baby and hasn't been successful. And whether or not she's married, who knows? But if she wants to do this, let her do it. Why the scrutiny? I get it. It's a small town. I don't even think Sarah lives in Everwood. So, but now the brunt of that scrutiny is gonna fall onto Nina's shoulders, which is like ugh, people. Oh, of course. Thank you, Ephraim. You're not subtle at all. He's like, hey, who's the old lady? It's like, dude! <laughs> Granted, they're inside the house when they're making these comments. Oh, Andy, stop looking so shocked. My goodness gracious. So, I'm guessing Ephraim had another wet dream because he's washing his sheets again? Dude! Teenagers, I guess, right? Do they do that all the time? Have those wet dreams? Because Andy's, like, getting stuff. I'm guessing, like, this is a pantry also as a laundry room, too. He's like, oh, Ephraim, you're doing a lot of laundry these days. And Ephraim's like, oh, you want to charge me for that? And, of course, Andy's all like, well, I was once a happy sack of hormones myself. So he gets it. But it's just like, oh, oh, please. Spare me the details of teenage Andy Brown. Maya comes in and tells Ephraim that his friend Ephraim, his friend Wendell's on the phone. And of course, I'm sure Ephraim's going to say, uh, he's not my friend. Um, in fact, I think you should just hang up on him. Ephraim says, Wendell's a freak. And he always like, well, he said he was your friend. And he just takes the cordless phone from her like, yeah, look, don't be so gullible. How funny is it that they don't even have cordless phones really anymore because everyone... It's got a ding cell phone nowadays. So Wendell, of course, is throwing out some directions. Hey, meet me on the third floor at lunch. Take the stairwell deed next to the chem lab. And he hangs up. So I gotta ask, what is Wendell getting out of doing this for Ephraim? You know that people don't do anything out of the goodness of their hearts a lot of the time unless it's there's something that they want, a form of payment in a way. I mean, granted, I'm not saying that everybody's out for themselves to get something when they help somebody. But when it comes to teenagers, I i mean, this is 2002. I don't know. Teenagers, have they changed? Do they do things for just the goodness of their hearts? Or do they got a, um ulterior motive? I think Wendell's got an ulterior motive. I mean, come on. He's helping out the new kid. Come on. Hey, Wendell is just as much an outsider with, you know, sadly, the way he dresses which I'm not shaming anybody they can be their own individual self sucks that we got to get the scrutiny for it don't we of course it's, it's like we're getting caller ID and you should be happy 
Delia says you should be happy you made a friend because Delia unfortunately isn't really making them. And it sucks. She's a sweetheart of a girl. I'd be friends with her if I were that age. She's cool. I'm not into sports, but, you know, maybe she likes to write, maybe she likes to watch movies, maybe she, what TV shows she like. See, yeah, that's my jam. If you're into books, TV shows, movies, I want to be your best friend. <laughs> and not in a weird way. <laughs> and everyone kind of looks at Delia like, what's that supposed to mean? She says, everyone in my, it's not easy to make friends because everyone in my class has known each other since the 90s. Granted, guys, this is 2002. So, yes, those kids have known each other since, like, the mid-90s. Here's Ephraim's advice on how to make a friend, Delia. The first step, don't look so needy. She's kind of looking at her pants like, is it the pants? I like how he's being such a good big brother to her. It's like, here, come on, look, it's not that bad. All you need is to do is look busy. Trust me. He says, if you look like you don't need a friend, you'll make one in a flash. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Hmm. An old yo-yo. It's a shame it's not the kind that lights up. Those are the coolest yo-yos. Yo-yos actually made a comeback in 1994 when I was in sixth grade. It was really cool. Wait. I think it was 1990, like, ni late 94 going into ni early 1995. One of them. And it was really cool because they're, like, the light-up ones. And it sucks when, like, you're doing it with that little string and it gets a knot in it and it just kind of messes up the whole yo-yo. Like, <sighs> All right, now we're heading to Dr. Brown's office. We're heading to Andy's office. He is getting a wait on Nina, just kind of seeing how things are going. I'm sure she's probably at the right weight that she needs to be at. Oh, he says, do you want me to run this off to the nearest hundred? And she's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> Oh, she says, I'll hurt you. Okay. <laughs> he makes a joke like, oh, that's not bad for a linebacker. So you can definitely kind of tell there is a little bit of nerves on Andy's part. I mean, he just met Nina like an episode or two ago. And this, you can't get any more personal than being someone's doctor. Especially if, you know, he's having to be really personal, like, you know, checking the stomach and everything, because she's like, oh, do you want me to take my shirt off? And he's like, uh, uh, no, I'll just go underneath it. So he's really, you know, trying to avert his gaze. It's a little embarrassing, like, you know, she's his friend, and now he's her doctor, so it's like the friend-slash-doctor boundaries, like, yeah. So Nina, of course, brings up Sarah, like, aren't you gonna say something? It's like, uh, about what? And she's like, well, I could tell that you were frazzled last night. And I was, t I, she said that she was too when she first met her. Because remember, this is through Nina's friend who has a friend that's older that wanted to conceive. So, yeah. So we get the backstory on Sarah. Basically, she'd been trying to conceive for years, couldn't. And then eventually when she realized she actually couldn't, like probably when she had menopause and couldn't, you know, conceive a baby or have one. It took her a few more years to save for a surrogate. Yeah, surrogates, I don't know what the running go is for them. I'm sure they're very expensive. I don't know the ins and outs, but... Oh, that's another thing. She had to find a... Nina says it's kind of like a catch-22, because then she had to find a surrogate that was okay with her age. Like ageism or something. I forgot there's like a... I don't want to say prejudice, like... 
something like that, but it's just like people like frown on like, oh, you're over 55, you want to raise a kid, forget it. I'm, I say if you're able-bodied, if you're in good health, and you want to raise a baby, and you don't have a, a spouse, a whoever, significant other, do it. Just do it. That's just, I mean, heck, look at um Diane Keaton's character from Baby Boom. I'm granted she didn't conceive the child. She inherited a two-year-old from her distant cousin, but she did it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was like 30-something years old, but that's not 55, but even still, I mean, she did it. So, Andy says that, you know, you're giving Sarah a incredible gift, and, of course, Nina says, well, that kind of works both ways, political beliefs and such aside, that a big part of her did do that for the money. She's kind of doing this in a way in hopes that she and her husband will be able to pay off some bills, get some loans and debts paid off, and then that way he won't have to travel as much for his work. Maybe he'll stay home more than a few weeks a year. I like how she says she's not a single parent by choice, and traveling, constant traveling and stuff is hard on a marriage, which I can imagine it would be. All right, now we're going to Everwood High School, and Ephraim is meeting up with Wendell, who's reading a book of sorts. So Wendell just hands Ephraim some sheet music, like, hey, who told you I like piano, and what makes you think I like Amy? Dude, anybody who's anybody just looks at your face like, oh, yeah, you're into Amy, I can tell. That is a I am in, in love with Amy Abbott face. So Wendell says this is where the Swans rehearse, which is the ballet ballerinas of Everwood. Wendell called in a favor, gave their pianist an acute case of carpal tunnel. How, how the hell do you do that? Break his wrists or something? God, this guy's got to have a price. What's his price? Seriously, you're not doing this just for the greater good and looking out for other outsiders, Wendell. Come on. And guys, like I said, I haven't watched this. It's been quite a few years, probably in the early 2010, 11, 12, maybe the last time I watched this. So this is going to be relatively, watching it now and the way that I'm watching it, I'm picking up on things that I either can't remember or this is new to me in a way. All right, he basically trades in favors. In this case, the piano player gets a collector's baseball card and Ephraim gets a chance to impress Amy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm with Ephraim. What do you get out of this then? The satisfaction of knowing that it can change people's destinies. Bullshit! Bullshit, Wendell. What do you really get out of this? And a DVD player, because those are pretty hot. You know, this is back before Blu-ray took over. And Blu-ray, DVD players back in 2002, guys, those were not cheap things. Those were not cheap things. Of course, Miss Beth, this lady! She's a, she's a, a realtor. She's a... I can't, uh, she ran a booth at that fall fall thing. Um, what else does she do? Um, she's a P, what, being ballet teacher, person, whatever. Wendell says she's the windbag beneath her wings. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so Ephraim opens the door. He's going to go for it. He sees, you know how the doors in school always have that one long glass, like, window looking in? I don't know doors in school, so they have that anymore, or is it just a solid door with no window in it? I love how he's just kind of hanging in the doorway, and window from outside just takes the door and basically shoves Ephraim's ass all the way through the doorway. 
Like, dude, he just needs to push. Ugh! Of course, the lady's like, oh my gosh, are you the sub? Where have you been? He's like, I just got the music. I'm sorry. Oh, Wendell's like, dude, you're late. Maybe he got lost. I don't know. Does Everwood High School have two floors? It must have. It's got a stairwell. He's all like, oh, for God's sake, sit down. Take it from measure 14. Like, damn, bitch, chill yourself. <laughs> Ephraim sits down at the piano. He starts playing. We keep getting these kind of looks. Amy just kind of, like, looking at Ephraim, like, kind of curious, like, oh, I wonder how you smell that. She kept eyeing him as she was doing the, the you know, ballet moves and everything, like, looking kind of, like, through, like, her arms were, like, raised above her head. She was, like, looking, like, curious, like, how did he get in here? All right, now we're going back to the elementary school where Delia is playing with the yo-yo. That yo-yo looks like a piece of shit. Where the hell did they get that out of one of those little coin-operated machines in a grocery store? It's garbage. I want get a real one that lights up. I'm sure they're not much. She's wearing her Denver Nuggets hat. That bastard! McGilla just comes around the corner and just pulls the dang thing right off her finger like you asshole! Fucking beat his ass! And who the fuck wears chokers anymore? So she's like, give it back. It's like, yeah, he ripped it right off her finger, that yo-yo string. He's like, bite me, pinhead. Dude, dude, I'm going to fucking take your head off. I don't give a shit if he's a kid. He's not a kid anymore. That actor's not a kid anymore. He's like, that's my brother's. And McGill's like, who cares? Tell your daddy to buy him another one. You're rich. Like, we're not rich, dicknut. She's like, no, we're not. And he's like, yeah, right. Then how come your dad doesn't charge people? It's like, because he's a decent human being, unlike yourself, Magilla. Like, you could buy 5,000 million more of these. Ugh, 5,000 million. Oh, you kid. Yeah, that little choker, that black band that he's got, has got a little skull on the front. Like, a silver skull on the front. Like, oh, he thinks he's such a badass. Of course, Delia just does nothing, says nothing. Just like, ugh. I'm defeated. I don't know what to do. We do a lot of hopping around, back and forth from the elementary school to now we're going to the high school again, and he is working on Ephraim's doing the piano thing with the swans. So not only are they doing this during school, they are also supposed to come in after school. And of course, she has to praise Ephraim. Like, oh, Ephraim, that was super. Just super. I'll see you at 3.30. The left hand needs work. Bitch, do you play the piano? Do you play the piano? He is a master at his craft. How dare you? How dare you, Miss Gossipy Queen? So, as everyone's filing out, Amy goes over to Ephraim and is like, how long have you been keeping this a secret? And he kind of looks at her like, what? You know that I, I played. I'm sure he, you know, he mentioned it. And he's like, yeah, but not like this. And she's like, where have you studied? And he's like, or how long have you studied? And she's like, he's like, well, probably about as long as you've danced. Because she's probably been dancing since she was, what, two? So he packs his stuff, gets ready to go, and she's like, oh, Ephraim, what are you doing tonight? So she is going to invite him to a party, which um, is not going to go over well with her friends. Her friends are going to be real bitches. Ugh. Girl, you need to find some better friends that aren't bitches. Oh, her friend Kayla is having a birthday party. He's like, oh, you need me to, like, play happy birthday? And she's like, no, you'll be my guest. And he's like, 
me, your friends, they don't like me. Like, it, it just seems like a bad sitch all the, way around, all the way around. He says, you know, lit candles in the same room. And she's like, you don't know them, Ephraim, and they don't know you yet. This is just going to blow. This is going to backfire. Oh. I get her intentions are good. I like it. Because she likes Ephraim just as, you know, he's a nice guy and everything. But trying to mix both worlds... You know, Ephraim being the new guy and then her with her friends, it's just... So, she tells Ephraim to give them a chance. At the best, you'll have free cake and an evening with me. Which, I mean, how can Ephraim pass it up? Pass it up, right? <laughs> so, now we're back at Mama Joy's and Harold gives Andy a cardboard box which is filled with Nina's files. Since Harold will no longer be taking care of Nina as a patient. But he does say you'll want to keep a close eye on Nina's potassium levels. They run a little low. He even adds how, oh, and she should have had her tonsils removed years ago. Dang, they really, <laughs> he's really trying to swallow his pride, Harold is. And Andy's like, oh, are you going to sit? And Harold's like, well, I'll be taking my food to go. It's like, yeah, you might want to. Jerk! He's like, I've had my fill of afternoons on this greasy spoon with this even greasier patrons. Dude! What are you doing, Harold? He's butthurt. He's butthurt right now because Nina chose to go across the street and have Andy for her doctor. Which is funny because after that whole thing that happened at the Fall Fall Festival and everyone just came back across the street over to Harold's, now Nina is coming over to Andy's because of what Harold said and Justice like, yeah, you're right. I need to switch doctors. Evan's being an asshole! What the hell? Nina goes over and asks this guy if he wants more coffee and he just shakes his head, puts his hand over the cup and moves it. Why is everyone being assholes? Everyone's basically giving her the stink eye and just they're being so fucking rude. She's all like, hey, look, what's going on, everybody? Yesterday you treat me like George Bailey at the end of It's a Wonderful Life, and today I'm the monkey from Outbreak. The guy who didn't want the coffee from Nina is like, well, she's 55, Nina. And some of them are like, 55? Who's 55? How the hell does he know that? Yeah, how does he know Sarah's age? So apparently the townspeople are all going to judge Nina on this. Like, oh, the lady that Nina's having a ba the baby for, she came into the drugstore last night. She's 55. That's just wrong. Who says you people get a fucking opinion? And this lady's like, oh, if God wanted us to have babies when we're 55, he would have given us a lifetime warranty on our you-know-whats. Andy finally jumps in and says, yeah, we smiled that a 70-year-old man became a father for the first time. Basically, he's calling these people a bunch of fucking hypocrites. And they are. So, and Nina's like, Andy, look, I got this. And it's almost like Andy wants to get... It's almost like he wants to protect Nina and everything like that. As far as, like, look, I can ha I can help you out here. And it's like, if bi uh, biology allows a man to become a father until the day he dies, why should a woman have to give up that dream at the age of 45? And this lady's like, but she's 55. It's not natural, doc. Like, oh, shut up. Andy's like, he's basically on a soapbox. Like, well, who's to say what's natural? All species adapt. And Nina's just looking at Andy like, dude, 
It's almost like she realized, okay, this isn't about me anymore. It's clearly about Andy up on his soapbox and preaching about people, women that should be able to be mothers until the point of they're like 70 years old, which whatever, it's fine. And he even goes so far as like female dogs have nursed orphan kittens. Is that natural? This old man with the jean jacket's like, oh, that's got to be a New York City dog. Oh, here, a dog knows he's a dog. What the hell does that have to do with a dog helping out some orphan kittens get some milk so they can live? You old man, shut your gob. Oh yeah, he's naked as fuck. Like, oh, it must be a New York City dog because Andy comes from New York. Like, fuck her. And even Nina's finally like, look, everybody, we really don't need us. Like, can we just drop this? And Andy's like, oh no, 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 I got this. Don't worry. It's like, dude. You're treating Nina like she's a helpless, helpless waif that needs rescuing. She doesn't. She doesn't need you to stand on your soapbox and preach about women's rights and what's the appropriate age to keep having babies and stuff. Andy, enough. He's like, well, I, well I'll admit, when I first saw the lady who was going to have the child, I thought she was too old to become a parent for the first time. But today he learned from Nina just how badly that woman wants a family. Andy, that's not your business. Isn't this like a HIPAA law violation? And he's like, I don't think the qualifications for parenthood that have anything to do with age. Can we, okay, I'm kind of like, can we kind of move away from this? I mean, we got like 20 minutes left of this episode. I think he's made a fair point and yeah. He's like, so what's so unnatural about wanting a family? To me, what's unnatural is not wanting one. Oh, cause, so I'm unnatural because I don't want a family. Come on. Oh, damn it, Andy, what the hell is wrong with you? She does not need... You'd be spouting this shit off. Like, let's not forget Nina. If she could use the money to keep her husband come home a few more weeks a year. Oh, dude, she told you that in confidence. What the hell? I'd be like, Andy, um, I'm no longer going to serve you here. So you find yourself a lunch place to eat somewhere else. This is a low blow for you, guy. It's like she hasn't just helped to create a family. She's helped to save her own. Oh, my God. Everyone's just looking at her, and even Harold is like, Fuck you, dude, you put your foot in your mouth. Uh, he's sort of like, Well, I see that Nina's gonna be coming back over across the street to my office. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you did. After this, he finally says, Andy, please. And she just, like, I'm not even a part of this anymore. I have to. Uh. Because she knows now all of a sudden it hasn't been about Andy as. It hasn't been about her for a hot second while he's going on and on and on and on. He thinks he's doing her a solid by having to explain her situation to these people. Like, maybe they'll garner some sympathy. And that's not what she wants. She doesn't need him to mansplain her situation. So, oh, <laughs> Harold's like, oh, on second thought, you know, I think I will be eating here. And I'm, I bet he takes that cardboard box with him, like, I'll be taking these back to my office, since I'm sure she'll be coming back across the street to me, anyway. Andy knows he's stuck his fucking foot in his mouth. Way to go, bud. All right, now we're going back to the elementary school. He leaves a cookie. So is she testing Magilla? She leaves a cookie on a, a book that's got a bookmark because I think he takes her bookmark which is very special to her now we're going back to the high school a lot of jumping back and forth between if you want to call these probably are plot B and plot C with Ephraim and Amy and Delia and Magilla because clearly plot A is Andy and Nina and this baby uh, Ephraim's in the library he sees Amy talking to Paige and Kayla and if, 
Wendell, of course, sits right in Ephraim's line of sight of Amy. He's like, oh, I bet you're wondering what they're talking about. And Ephraim's like, no. Wendell's like, oh, it's probably not that exciting anyway. I mean, it looks exciting because of all the wild gesturing and the hair flippage going on. But they're probably just talking about, like, what is it? I remember him saying something about kiwi, strawberry kiwi lip gloss or something like that. How they come in flavors. <laughs> Wendell, he, he's a character. He is a character. It's like, oh, you'd think they'd be solving the world's energy crises or revealing their secret crushes. That's what they want us to think. And he says, well, my guess is they're debating which lip gloss is the best flavor. And, of course, Ephraim's like, what, they come in flavors? <laughs> Here we go. Now we're going over to Amy's table with her friends Kayla and Paige. Kayla, of course, the one that is the birthday girl coming up. And... I don't know which one's which, but the girl's like, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the new boy is hanging out with Wendell. Wendell, I don't want that in my party. That Wendell freak. Remember Ephraim called him a freak, too? And I like how Amy is standing up for Ephraim, like, he's new here. He's just trying to meet people. This bitch talks down to Amy, like, oh, Amy, sweetie, we know you feel sorry that his mom died. And the fact that Colin's in a coma and you don't have anyone to, like, what the fuck, bitch? You have a thing for him and everything. Ugh. And Amy stops her right there like, what? I do not have a thing for him. And of course the girl's like, whatever. Oh, Kayla. The point is he's not going to fit in at my party, is he? I'm going to feel like a loser at my own party because Eddie Munster isn't having any fun. It's my birthday. Look, bitch. Spoiled ass little girls. He's like, oh, it's my. I shouldn't have you worry about other people having fun except, you know, us. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to your party. Fuck you. If I were Amy, I would be saying that. Granted, she'd lose out on her friends, but these girls are fucking duds! You can find better friends, like Ephraim. And I'm guessing this is Paige. She's like, oh, he's lame. We just think he can do better, that's all. <sighs> and Amy, of course, at her point, is like, I'm not trying to do anything. I already have a boyfriend. Or like, oh, yeah, Colin. <laughs> I forgot. They're completely patronizing her ass. Like, oh, we totally love Colin. We know he's going to get better. And Paige is like, well, look, if you don't like him, like him, you won't care if we just uninvite him like ugh. and Amy's like look I I don't it's just that it's mean and we're not gonna be mean uh, oh the girl's like oh we're not gonna be mean about it Pfft, yeah right Did we ever do something mean to someone's face <laughs> those girls need to look in the fucking mirror oh my gosh Wendell with the wet and wild pina colada flavor of lip gloss he says it's like taking a Cari Caribbean cruise every time your lips touch theirs really you'd know from experience guy huh and even Ephraim's like, you're making me uncomfortable, Wendell. So Paige calls Ephraim goth guy. And kind of like, uh, crooks are feeling like, come over here. Like, oh my god. Oh, this bitch. And this isn't coming from the girl who's having the party. It's coming from the aim their other friend. Here's the thing. We totally want you to come to Kayla's party, but... But my mom said I could only invite 12 people. <laughs> Basically, sorry, not sorry. And of course, like, oh, no, and it's not Amy's fault because she totally didn't even know. It's like, yeah, way to throw her under the bus. You know Amy ain't gonna say shit. Ephraim doesn't even answer them, doesn't even look at them. He is looking at Amy and just kind of picking up cues from her. She won't even look him in the eyes. And of course, he's like a poker face. He's not gonna show his true emotion. Like, oh, yeah, I completely understand. And they're like, oh, I knew you would. Ugh, fuck you both. Remember how that guy was telling, uh, 
<laughs> Andy about that Sea Breeze boat. That thing is a fucking piece of shit, worn down, little dink-ass rowboat. And this is how Andy's going to spend his anniversary, on this dink-ass rowboat, rowing in the middle of the damn lake. Of course, now we're going to get to the elementary school as Magilla is taking that cookie. And wouldn't you know what, Delia is peeking around the door, watching. Oh, he's taking that bookmark! Damn you, kid, you little shit! Of course, he looks both ways, sees Delia, and just slips, pulls the bookmark out of the book. Like, you piece of crap. Doesn't even take the cookie. So what's a cookie, like, bait or something? And Delia finally goes over, like, okay, hold it. Like, girl, you gotta step up and, yeah, to that kid. He is, you can, she could take him! She could take him. Girl, hey, no, she don't want to make a fuss. She's a new girl. She's like, why didn't you take the cookie? And he's like, well, I didn't want it. She's like, well, give me my bookmark back. And he's like, get lost. It was a gift from her mother. She said that it comes from my favorite museum in New York, and I can't get another one. What sucks about this is Magilla does not give two shits about where you got this fucking bookmark. It doesn't matter that it came from your dead mom either, which... You'd think, oh, maybe this might garner a little bit of something of emotion of some kind in Megillah, and it doesn't. Because this kid has no emotion whatsoever. He is a soulless excuse for a child. Granted, don't worry, guys. I know the whole thing with Megillah will eventually smooth over, but right now I'm in I hate you Megillah mode. He's like, why don't you ask Daddy to buy the stupid museum? Like, Take that choker from him. Just strangle his neck, please. Like, we don't live there anymore. My mother, she's never going to be able to take me there again. Like, just take whatever you want, but not that, please. She reaches out her hand like he's going to give that to her. And she, he's like, come any closer and I'll smash you like a bug. I mean it. He's like, I swear, if you tell Miss Violet, your bookmark gets flushed. All right, now we're going to jump into, we're going back to the high school. We're going back to after school. And Ephraim is at the piano. Of course, he is pissed off because Amy couldn't stand up to her friends, couldn't even look Ephraim in the eye when they were disinviting him to her party. So, of course, Amy is at the head of um, the ballet pole. What? I'm sure there's a name for it, but I don't know what it is. So she wants to have a little one-on-one -on -one conversation with Ephraim and try to explain away why she couldn't say anything and what, everything. Like, she's trying to make it sound like, oh, it's not such a big deal. Like, you're making a big deal out of it, Ephraim. She, I have to talk to you. And he's like, I don't have to talk to you, though. You can talk all you want. I don't have to listen. She's like, just let me explain. Explain what? Why you stood there while your friends pretty much are just... Oof. Treated him like shit? Yes, exactly! And it was like, it's fine, what? Why your friends are total bitches or why you were with them in the first place? See, girl, Ephraim's not the only one. I'm not the only one that can see that these girls are fucking bitches. And you could be doing so much better, finding better friends than what you have there. I don't give a fuck if you went to free school with them. I don't care. Of course, she's making excuses for her friends. Like, oh, they weren't always like that. They didn't start out this way. Trust me. Like, I'm not trusting you. You just told them you invited them to a party. You didn't check with your friends. And now uh, it's a whole big damn mess. So everyone's like, so as the bitchiness worsened, you chose to ignore it and follow along like the Nazis. 
Oh, he says, not unlike the Nazis. And of course, the look on Amy's face is just pure shock. So now she's making a dig at him. Like, not everyone's a loner, Ephraim. Some people like having friends, even if they're difficult. Don't turn this around on him and make it his fault. And that's exactly what she's doing. He's like, yeah, if you prefer quantity over quality, that's your problem. Like, look, I don't agree with what they did, but maybe if you weren't scowling all the time, you'd be invited places. Like, bitch, he's a new kid. No way in hell is he being invited anywhere. You all in your tight-knit Everwood community where you don't let people come into your community, and even when they do come into your community, there's all this backlash. And it's like, damn, Everwood a cult? And Ephraim, of course, he's, she's giving him shit, and he's giving her shit right back. He's like, right, it's my fault. I should take up football and cow tipping. Like, I'm going to shit on your town. I might have to live here because I don't have a choice. I'm going to shit on your town. It's like, then your friends would like me, and I'd be the most popular boy in the whole school. Of course, um, Brenda sees, you know, the ballet teacher, sees that um, Amy's not really doing what she's supposed to be. Like, oh, is there a problem? She, and Amy's like, yeah, this music is totally messed up. And, and Brenda's like, well, I mean, we're all fine with it. It's working for us. What? It's like, maybe Amy's the problem. But there's nothing to keep time to. And Brenda's like, it sounds fine to me. He's improving. The girls are just looking at Amy like, what the hell is your problem? And, of course, Amy's just throwing a little bitch fit. Like, oh, not for me. He's all over the place. And Ephraim's like, fine, is this better? And he just starts, like, the tune just escalates. And he really escalates that music and speeds it up and just, like, sharper, faster. He throws a little bit of jazz into that tune, too. And it's like, ugh. Such hostility. But it's well-deserved on Ephraim's part. Amy is being a bitch. Hey, what about dead swans in the lake? He starts to play this kind of morbid, moody, broody sound. So like, you don't have a problem with the music. Just a loser who's playing it right. And with that, he's like, fuck y'all. Find a new pianist because I'm out. Yep, way to go, Amy. You did this. You can all do your thing to pre-recorded piano music, I guess. Or find the kid with carpal tunnel. So Andy is out on the water getting a rowing workout here. He's in the middle of the lake, and of course he's probably going to lose the oars. The thing's probably going to spring a lake. It's like... <laughs> so he's even like talking to his wife like, Hey, Julia, I hope you're getting a big kick out of this because this is for you, sweetheart. Basically he's talking about the whole move to Everwood was because of Julia. Like your whole family left a civilized life in a civilized city. Moved to some godforsaken mountain town because your train stopped here in 1964. And you fell in love with some purple mountains and some fluffy clouds. Yeah, she just like fell in love with it based on an image of, oh, the mountains, oh, the clouds are pretty. You don't know anything about that damn town. Nothing about it. Everyone there is having a pain in the ass time adjusting to shit. They're all fishes out of water, if you want to say, if you want to call it that. Like, he's screaming to the heavens like, you didn't meet the people because you didn't get past the gift shop. He's screaming, I moved into a snow globe. You got, oh, this damn thing is leaking. It's leaking, guys. He is going to go down with the boat. He's going to go down with that boat. I hope someone, hopefully he can swim. I hope he can swim. I don't know how deep that lake is. Oh, he stands up and screams, what am I doing here? All right, now we're going to go to the house because, of course, the family's just going to eat pizza. Everyone is so miserable. It's like they're eating a, 
takeout pizza, and everyone's just having a shit day. Ephraim and Amy, Delia, McGilla, Andy, and Nina in the fucking town of Everwood. Finally, Delia mentions about, oh, I need a new jacket. And Andy's like, well, what's wrong with the old one? The one you've got. And she's like, it was stolen. And he's like, Andy's like, well, what do you mean, stolen? And she's like, well, I know who took it. He just won't give it back. And of course, Andy's like, oh, you went to school today without your jacket? I didn't notice that. Like, no shit, you didn't notice it. You're too focused on Nina's surrogacy and the 55-year-old woman and getting on your soapbox and preaching to the town of Everwood about how they should, like, mind their own fucking business. And breaking a confidentiality code. I love how Ephraim, after Andy's like, oh, I didn't notice that. Ephraim just turns, looks at Andy's like, duh. <laughs> well deserved. They're all having shit days, guys. They're having a shit week is what they're having. So Andy's like, just eat your pizza. Okay, who stole your jacket? So Andy asked Delia, who stole your jacket? And she's like, the same kid who stole my yo-yo. And Ephraim just kind of looks at her like, oh, you're, like, your yo-yo? Like, uh, I gave that to you, girl. <laughs> I mean, I get Delia's, like, nine, and she thinks, you know, at first I let him steal stuff because I thought he'd be my friend. Girl, you, sweetie, 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 you don't need friends like that. This kid doesn't only bully her, he bully, bullies other kids. And she tells him how he pretty much just takes whatever he wants. And Andy's like, well, just because you want to make friends doesn't mean you have to give away your stuff. So Delia kind of throws back to Andy, like, well, then why don't you charge your patients? And Andy's like, well, that's very different. And Ephraim kind of sits up, like, oh, go on. Like, okay, I want to hear. Why don't you charge your patients? So Andy pretty much just sees this, like, hey, let's just go to talk to your teacher and get this straightened out. Of course, Ephraim's like, no, he's a bully. She needs to kick his butt. That's the only way. And Ephraim, of course, he's dealt with bullies before. He knows He knows how to deal with bullies. And, of course, Andy's like, no, no, that's not how we handle this situation. And Delia's like, he took Mom's bookmark. And Andy's like, okay, fine, now you can kick his butt. So Mr. Cunningham, the one who loaned Andy his boat, Seabreeze, he said, look, uh, uh, Mr. Cunningham, the next time you offer your boat, well, you may want to patch up some of those holes with more than just earwax. Of course, Mr. Cunningham sees the pizza on the kitchen table. Like, ooh, Gino Chang's. Don't mind if I do. This guy just sits down at the table with Epimedelia. Dude! <laughs> so Nina also comes over, and Andy is, like, trying to apologize. Like, I was meaning to come over. I, I wanted to apologize. I'm really, really sorry. I screwed up. And Nina's going into labor. Her her water broke. Like, oh, boy. So Nina's like, look, Andy, you can... And, and she is, like, trying to get a word in edgewise. It's just a desperation on her face. Like, <laughs> you can make it up to me by giving me a ride. He's like, a ride? She's like, to the... He's like, oh, oh, to the hospital. Yeah. So Andy needs Ephraim to help him out in case they don't make the hospital in time. He's going to need an extra set of hands. Walter, of course, like, oh, no, sorry, Andy, I can't watch your daughter. I got to watch Oz. And Andy's like, you know that whole thing about taking and giving? Well, look, you're going to be watching The Wizard of Oz, by the way. Like, yeah. Of course, when Ephraim and uh, Andy leave, 
Walter turns to Delia and says, that Oz gives me nightmares. And Delia's like, me too. So it looks like they're not going to make it to the hospital. They stop at Hattie's Donuts. So they come in there, and poor Nina is just breathing heavy. Just She's about ready to just drop the baby on the floor. And the, this guy who's mopping up the floor like, oh, we're closed. He looks worse than Wendell. He really, really does. He's like, oh, we're closed, we're closed. It's this burnout-looking dude with a greasy dread, whatever. <laughs> and Annie's like, look, we have a medical emergency. This lady is in need of help. And Ephraim, like, gets in that guy's face like, hey, man, we're not here for crullers. This woman's here, here is about to give birth. Of course, the guy's like, oh, no way, I just mopped. Like, shut up. So Andy is giving Ephraim directions. All right, what I want you to do, I need your shoelace. I need you to go into the kitchen, get a pot, fill it with water, and also a pair of scissors and drop them. Basically, he wants to sanitize the scissors because they're going to have to use what they have. So basically, he's also saying aprons, smocks, oven mitts, towels, just whatever you can find. Just, just. This guy's an idiot. This dang dude mopping the floor. And Nina's like, someone should call Sarah. And this guy is like, it's not even his business. Dang dried out dreadlocks dude. This freaking surfer bum sounding dude. It's only, oh, we could be fine for this. As, he, as Ephraim's looking to gather what his father needs. We have a strict health code violation or something to that effect. And Ephraim's like, yeah, how long have you been using ants for chocolate sprinkles? <laughs> I love Ephraim's dry, sarcastic wit. It is the best. So, of course, there's no knives there. So the guy's like, oh, all we have is spatulas. And Ephraim grabs this ginormous whisk. Like, oh, will this work? This guy's like, oh, yeah, if you're making custard. And you hear Andy shouting, Ephraim, where are those towels? Ephraim's got basically paper towels. It's like, that's all there is. This back area is bone dry of necessities. Granted, they didn't expect a pregnant woman to come into their establishment and deliver a baby but of course Ephraim is like get me another pot and the guy's like what size and Ephraim's like big enough for me to barf in <laughs> oh god oh cool Mama Joyce is like a little hangout because Irv and um Edna are just hanging out just playing Monopoly like cool <laughs> like, I'll go to like a bookstore and there'll be a bunch of people like playing like um Scrabble and other things like that. It's just, it's wow, it's so cool. It's like it's a bookstore. You're like playing board games. I love Ed, uh, Edna and Irv's banter. It's adorable. He's like claiming her, like, oh, you cheat. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Amy comes in to see her grandma and Irv. Aww. So, turns out, because Edna asked Amy, like, aren't you supposed to be at some special birthday party? And Amy decided not to go. Good on you, sweetie. And she's like, well, I would have stayed home, but then my mom would have been all over me about, like, how I need to be more social and I can't stay home and mope about Colin. And I love Irv here. He's like, oh, you're not moping. You're about to have a bowl of ice cream with your grandparents. Aww. So Irv excuses himself, slides out of the booth, and Amy just slides right in there. And she's just mopey face. And Edna, of course, is like, the only time you remind me of your father was when you got a sourpuss look on your face. 
Yeah, that's a permanent fixture on Harold's face. He's always got this sourpuss face. <laughs> Even Edna calls Amy Grover. So Amy explains how her friends, Kayla and Paige, pulled the Heathers on her. And of course, Edna's never seen them. I've never seen the movie Heathers. But I've heard it's a cult classic. And they basically disinvited a friend of Amy's. And then when Amy tried to explain it to Ephraim, Ephraim blew up in her face. Which I'm not surprised because you didn't defend him and you let your friends talk down to him. And treat him like crap. So Edna, of course, is sticking up for Ephraim. You know, his feelings were hurt and everything like that. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. And she's saying about how, you know, with the friendship loyalty. I've been friends with Kayla and Paige since second grade. It's like, so what? Just because you're friends with them doesn't mean you have to agree with them all the time. She's pretty much giving herself advice. Like, yeah, I know. Don't I shouldn't have let them treat him like that. I like this, as Edna says, it's hard to care about a person when the whole world is telling you not to. This... I think can also be the same for her when it, you know, because Edna is white and Herb is black. And I'm sure that doesn't seem like it's that well with, you know, the town. They didn't ostracize. I mean, eventually they came around and stuff like that. But still, it's just like going against the crowd and doing what you want to do because you want to do it regardless of what other people's opinions are. So you got to live your own life. You only get one. You can't spend your whole life just doing what other people think you should be doing. You don't live for other people. You live for yourself. Yes, Amy, listen to your grandmother. You have to live your own life. And listen to your instincts. They're pretty good. Amy's like, oh, it must be my jeans. And Anna's like, yeah, that and a bladder like a yak. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, even though this is only the third episode of season one, I'm like, I love the writing. I love the characters. I love the, just the snarkiness of Edna, but she's got a heart of gold. All right, now we're going back to Hattie's Donuts. And Nina, of course, is Sam's stomach. She delivered the baby. We didn't see it. And Sarah has her baby. And Nina's going to the hospital to get checked out. I mean, yes, Dr. Brown, Dr. Andy Brown is a world-renowned surgeon. But still, you got to be checked out. So there's Sarah holding her baby. We don't know. Is it a boy or a girl? Everyone, of course, got a donut. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> and Andy just looked at Ephraim like, an egg whisk? I'm like, dude, they didn't, they had, the only other option was spatulas. What are you going to do with a spatula? I don't even know what you're going to do with a whisk when it comes to childbirth, but whatever. <laughs> and Ephraim's like, so how many babies have you delivered? And Andy's like, well, this would be my first. That's right, because he's like a neurosurgeon, right? <laughs> this was a sweet father-son moment as they walk back to the car. And I love how Andy puts a hand on Ephraim's neck. All right, so we wrapped up plot A. Now we're going to go to Everwood Elementary and hopefully wrap up plot B. Or C, I can't remember which one. Or what I called the elementary Delia McGilla plot. Ah, I just want to pull that choker right off of that boy's neck. He thinks he's such a badass because he's wearing a black cord choker with a metal skull on it. Like, ooh, look at me, I'm a badass. Boom! Go Delia! She ripped that choker right off his neck! Sweet! I guess it wasn't fastened that well, was it? 
Because it looked like he was going to take something else of hers or someone else's. And he's like, hey, do you have a death wish? And she's like, no, but I have a new choker. Well, she holds it up. <laughs> and he's like, give it back. She's like, I will, if you return what's mine. I'm on you. I'm going to play your little game here, guy. You can give me back my stuff or you are... You got one less uh, black corded choker to wear. I like what Delia says here. She says, you need a friend just as much as I do, Makilla. You're just too scared to show it. Good girl. Oh, she walks past him and, like, puts the choker on. <laughs> oh, girl. That backpack is as big as Delia is. Holy cow. It takes up the entirety of her back. Smirk smile from Magilla? Huh? Is that a smirk smile from Magilla? I don't know, guys. I was on the hurt your Magilla train, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. He might change my mind. Alright, now we gotta go to plot B or C with Ephraim and Amy. We gotta get this wrapped up. And if it wraps up as nicely as the Magilla and Delia storyline for this episode, then let's hope so. Of course, being it's a small town, Amy heard about Nina having her baby. She's like, oh, so I heard you were like Mr. Midwife last night. Of course, everyone's like, well, I prefer junior resident, but it's pretty cool. He tells him, well, you know, Nina was really lucky to have you guys there. And of course, Ephraim's like, well, I mean, I don't, can't take all the credit. I mean, it's mostly my dad. Ephraim says, well, I basically supplied the, the shoelace, you know, to cut the cord. <laughs> So he asked her how the party was. She says she didn't go. And he's like, why not? She's like, I think you know why. Amy admits that Ephraim scares her. And he's like, well, that doesn't sound good. And she's like, no, no, I think it is. See, when you first got here, I know I got to know you for all the wrong reasons. For all the wrong reasons. That's how friendship wasn't exactly at the top of her list. She's like, well, it turns out you're really funny and weird. And now... Oh, this is so sweet. She's like, now you're like this guy in my life that I care about. It's like, oh, that's so sweet, my heart. She's like, so kind of like she's rambling a little bit. It's like, does that make any sense? And he's like, define weird. She basically tells him, I think you just need to cut me some slack once in a while. And he's like, define slack. Oh, you goofball, you. Ah, I love you, Ephraim. I love you. So they're good. They're back on solid ground. Everything's cool. All right, Andy's over checking Nina's vitals, making sure she's recuperating. And Nina, of course, was like, I'm so sorry I put you and Ephraim through this. And Nina says how she was counting on her husband to help her out. And, of course, Andy's like, well, where is he? Apparently he's in Phoenix. He was supposed to come home after St. Louis, but heard his boss was offering Arizona to another salesman. Oh, so he had to jump on it. All right. Oh, of course. Yes. Who else? Doctor in the house. Number two. Harold Abbott. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, oh, let me check your vitals, Nina. <laughs> you guys. You guys. <laughs> I love this show, guys. I love this show. And I love the characters. They're so great. I'm just, I'm having a fun, this is only the third episode, and I'm having a fun time rediscovering the show. And I kind of hope you guys are having a fun time having, with me having a fun time watching it. Oh, man, he didn't, I guess he didn't come to re, you know, check her vitals after uh, Andy did. He brought, well, maybe his wife Rose brought some good, some good yummy food. 
Oh, Rose baked her traditional apple cake for the birth. Oh, that is so sweet of her. We only really got to see her for like like half a scene. But we'll eventually get more seeing Rose Abbott throughout a little bit here and there through season one. In fact, I didn't know until season three. And I don't know how either either it was never said or I just didn't pick up on it or I just completely missed it. That Rose is the mayor of Everwood. I'm like... Damn, Abbott family, you're like royalty in that town. I mean, you got Dr. Abbott, the supposed only doctor until Dr. Brown came in. You got Rose Abbott, who's the mayor of Everwood. Those Bright and Amy are like royalty. In, wow, they're like the William and Harry. Of course, Nina's like, oh, I thought that was only for your patients. And, oh, this is so sweet, Harold says. No, it's for friends, too. So does that mean that Andy gets him too? <laughs> I mean, you, I know you guys aren't really friends yet, but... Uh, <laughs> Harold does not even look at Andy like, Oh, congratu congratulations on your first doorstop delivery, doctor. You can't even look at him when you say that. Oh, it must hurt him so much to say that. Like, uh, I don't want Oh, so, oh yeah, the competitiveness comes out as Harold's like, oh, if you want to t break records, top my delivery of Jane, what's it, Decep's triplets? Oh, God. In the women's hosiery aisle of the local stop and shop. Oh, my gosh. Of course, Andy's, like, basically a game on, just give me a few years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, of course, yes, Harold is like, oh, forgive me, Nina, since we're all, last time we were in close quarters here, the three of you said, yeah, no family doctor. And of course, Andy's like, no, she has a family doctor standing right next to you, Harold. And of course, Nina's like, boys, boys, hello. It's like, you kids are like two boys in a schoolyard fighting over a treasured item. I don't, I can't think of one at the moment, but it's like, boy, you are like two boys in a schoolyard trying to one-up each other. For heaven's sake. <laughs> Nina's like, one of us just gave birth, so maybe you could, like, uh, take it outside. Thank you. I <laughs> both Andy and Harold are arguing. No, I am her family doctor. You aren't. <laughs> All right, we get a cute little moment here between Andy and Delia. Andy comes home from visiting Nina. She's right across, right next to his house. And he sets down his bag, and Delia just got, she's been reading a book, which there isn't a lot of light out on that porch. Like, you're going to ruin your eyes, sweetie. She's like, you need a real doctor's bag. He's like, yeah, I do, don't I? No, oh, apparently there's a phone call <laughs> late at night. Delia asks how Nina is, and Andy's like, oh, she's very tired. Everyone comes out and says, Delia, you got a phone call. Who's Magilla? And Delia's like, the kid who stole your yo-yo. It's like, great, what does he not want? What does he want now? Delia's like, I think he wants to be my friend. Andy kind of puts her arm around Delia, like, oh, your friend, huh? And she's like, it's complicated. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I wonder what book she was reading. Speaking of books, it looks like Ephraim was also reading something. So Ephraim kind of sits, he doesn't sit on the uh, bench next to Andy. He just kind of sits off on another piece of furniture on the porch and says, I don't know. He's kind of looking over at Nina's house and saying, I don't know how anyone could just hand over a baby. I don't know how she does it. And Andy kind of... He sums it up pretty well. He says maybe she was more focused on someone else's gain and not her loss. Ephraim says, you know, I don't envy that kid. And Andy's like, why not? And Ephraim's like, well, think about it. When he's 10, his mother's going to be a senior citizen. Oh, so she had a boy. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought she had a girl. When he's 15, she's what, 70? 
He's like, one slip in the tub, she breaks a hip. It's like, he's so concerned about probably what this kid is going to be. Miss, because think about it. If she's like 50 or 55 or whatever she is, by the time that kid graduates high school, she's going to be... Well, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, there are people sharp as a tack. They're living well into their late 80s, early 90s. Heck, even hundreds, and they still sound body and mind. I mean, yeah, things might be running a little on the low end, but, I mean, I gotta hand it to people, guys. They really, sometimes older people, they know how to take care of themselves. They've been through a lot. They've lived a life. Gosh, what is Ephraim just, he's so focused on this like she could be dead before he graduates high school which if you think about it Ephraim's mom is gone she won't see him graduate heck she won't see her daughter graduate high school either won't see her son or her daughter once they graduate college get married have grandkids especially the harder times as Delia gets older and she's facing like you know, entering womanhood, becoming a, a young woman and everything. Luckily, I mean, in season two, they do bring on a, a new character, kind of a babysitter-ish, nanny-ish um, character of Madison, who's like 20. And that's a whole nother can of beans. We'll open that when we get to season two. But, I mean, Nina is right next door, so she can kind of help deal you with questions. So. And Andy's like, well, you're right. I mean, but then again, she may live to be 100. Who knows? Andy says, maybe that kid will be luckier than you. I like this quiet solitude between father and son. When Andy says, maybe that kid will be luckier than you. The sharp kind of look that Ephraim gives, almost like that realization. She's kind of like, eh. I mean, Ephraim's without a mother, and this kid's going to have a mother. But then again, I mean, I just, I like how they just, they're sitting just in their own world, in their own heads. They don't have to talk. Just it's it's a nice moment. And I like how this ends the episode. All right, for the segments for who stole my heart this episode, I gotta give it to. I gotta give it to Andy and Nina. I mean, honestly, they learned a lesson here as far as you need to kind of. I mean, I know he was helping out a friend and everything, and he said more than he should have, but when. Nina needed him to deliver her baby. They just kind of put all, like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm not angry at you. Just deliver my baby and we'll be fine. But it just, it's, and he understood, you know, her wanting to do this for another person and give a baby to a person who couldn't. And I just, I thought that was sweet. Um, broke my heart. Oh, oh gosh. Mmm. I, I, I could even go so far as to say, like, with Amy not standing up for Ephraim, granted they do kind of come around in the end, um, and her not standing up to her friends, say, hey, I don't like how you're treating Ephraim, this is wrong. Needs a heart. I'm gonna go with Magilla, just for how he was acting in the beginning of the episode, granted he did you know, kind of change a little bit. We haven't seen that change. We did see him call, well, he called her to make arrangements for, I'll give you your stuff back if you give me back my uh, black corded choker with a metal skull on it, so. All right, so the next episode I'm going to focus on, I know I did say two episodes a month. Unfortunately, it's just not working out that way, and the middle of the year is just... 
spring into summer is going to be very, very busy. So March is probably going to be the last episode. Season 1, episode 4, The Kissing Bridge, which aired on October 7th, 2002. Dr. Brown and Dr. Abbott must put their striking differences aside to educate the town of Everett after several of their teenage patients are diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease, STDs. To make sensitive matters worse, Dr. Abbott has a reason to suspect that his son, Bright, may have been intimate with one of the patients. Meanwhile, Ephraim pushes his romantic feelings aside to comfort Amy, who is distraught over not being able to go to the fall dance with her boyfriend as he is still comatose. Um, as I was saying, just things on the home front in the next couple months are going to get very, very busy with my husband and I are planning to sell our house. We're planning a very big move. We're moving out of state and it's just podcasts are just going to have to come to a halt and I will pick up the Everwood podcast probably more or less once I get settled where I'm going to be. But Hey, that gives you guys plenty of stuff to look forward to in the future. So, yeah, I'll do the kissing bridge for March, and 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 that'll be it for just a little bit. And then I'll I'll let you guys know when um I'll be putting up a new episode. Probably, honestly, it seems more like maybe June would be the earliest once it hopefully gets settled. So, or who knows? It's just you know everything's gonna be in transition. So. That being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really love rediscovering the show. I love the characters, the writing, the music. Just the score of the show is gorgeous. It's beautiful. So, all right, everybody. Have a great week. This is the last week of February. We're heading into March. We're heading into springs of coming, guys. Springs of coming. We've had a decent winter so far. I'm not going to lie. It's been really, really decent. So, but then again, the mitten state, we don't know. We could get another winter storm coming in between now and April. So, okay, everybody have a good week. Bye-bye.